Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. <laughs> Tommy, Ocean Chinook or Puget Sound Coho? What is your palate favorite? And you drop yeah. that kokanee on top of that barn door halibut's head, 67 feet of water, and he was not happy about that. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Boxers or briefs? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with a European cut speedo. Fantastic. Excellent choice. I yeah. love tuna. I do love tuna. Heck yeah! <laughs> hey, you know, I have a buddy who refers to Canadian geese as flying carp. Obviously, he's not cooking them. <laughs> he clearly, right? Oh, ocean snook. Seriously? Hands down. Really? Hands down. I don't fish for coho. Ah, good point. Hey, speaking of grind, can you tell the difference between ground deer and ground elk? Honestly, taste the difference. You know, Dwayne, we only get one chance to live this life. Mm-hmm. And you will always regret the things that you don't do. So you know what I tell people? Buy the damn boat. Hey, you know, the facts are some days are just a grind. Welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, the number one fishing and hunting talk show throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Now here's your host, Dwayne England, and of course, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Hello and welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, Dwayne England, and yes, ladies and gentlemen, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Man, I had to use ways to find this place again. I forgot <laughs> I where it was. I did. I was trying to figure out, has it been four weeks, five yeah, weeks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For those of you that follow our uh, podcast, you will hear the reference, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Yes. So, uh, thank you for gracing us with your presence. Hey, man, I had some elk hunting to do. Yeah. I had some, some late white-tail. white-tailed buck hunting to yes, do. Yes, yes. And then and I got uh, sick. Or, uh, yeah. yeah, I got sick. You and, got sick, and then yeah. our, our producer had a Rona scare. Uh-huh. So. A lot of, lot but of things But hey, here happen, we are. Right, yeah, but here yeah. we are. We're back in studio so glad everybody can join us uh here tonight if this is the first time you're checking out the show we thank you for stopping by but take a little extra time jump on over to our webpage www.fishhuntnw.com there you can find a few coupon codes if you missed out on the 30 percent off edge rods no worry you can still save 20 percent and i think over there they even got some 40 percent specials taken off as well but for us fhn20 is your coupon code to check out you're going to save 20 percent on all your fishing rods, not already assigned to another reduced or discount coupon. And then, of course, Phelps Game Calls. Check out everything on that coupon. Click on that. It takes you right to Phelps Game Calls. Uh, Fish Hunt NW10. You're going to save 10% on all calls, and we're in the midst of water fall season. Mm-hmm. Finishing up a little bit on some some late uh, muzzleload, late archery. There's there's things happening, man. So There is, there is. Good reasons to get those calls purchased and or use them as stocking stuffers or Christmas gifts. You can't go wrong in that regard. So, hey, it's nice to be back together, back in studio it here. It is. Good to see you. Good to see you, man. Um, how about the weather this week? I talked yeah. about it last week. I was talking about even, yeah. you know, referencing something like in the backyard here that I keep tabs on, say the Satsup River. Projected yeah. to go up to about 25,000, 26,000. It finally crested at 31. I mean, we got yeah. dumped on. And what? So, fishable is under 10, right? Ish? Uh, what you, what, well, what's fishable for that? If you're in a drift boat, man, it's 3,500. Yeah, way below. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was yeah. at 950 before this whole thing started. Yeah. You know, and yeah. <clears throat> 950 was comfortable. 1,000 thousand CFS, great. 31,000, yeah. not so much. Yeah, right? unreal. Uh, you know, everything's closed down due to uh, ongoing negotiations and, of course, the weather. So the weather is going to find its way out of here and things mm-hmm. are going to begin to drop. And, hey, man, we're just kind of waiting with bated breath. Meetings are ongoing, Tommy, within this Grays Harbor region. We could find an announcement tomorrow 
it might get delayed through the weekend, but I'm mm -hmm. hopeful and those folks I'm talking with that we're going to get something. All is not lost, as I like to say. We may find ourselves back on the riverbanks. What it looks like exactly, we get that announcement tomorrow by next Monday. Uh, I assure you next Thursday, we will completely mm -hmm. walk through that, unpack it, show everybody what we get mm -hmm. to go do. So, uh, tons to get through tonight, buddy. And even though we're not fishing in this region, not doing stuff, we got tons to talk yeah, about. There's always something going always on. Always something going on. We got three great guests lined up this evening. You guys are going to enjoy. So let's walk on through it. Running down the show. First time on the show, been friends a long time. We go back clear to the Potsky days. Big Dave Manners, Big Dave's Fishing Adventures. Lots of you guys know him. It's steelhead season. We're getting you rigged up and ready. Big Dave's top three bank fishing techniques. Then we'll do a second segment with Dave, round two, getting on the water with Big Dave, top three boat techniques when targeting steelhead, and we got a few other questions to throw his way, and we'll see how he does. Uh, coming back to the show because there's just so much going on here. Again, Tommy, Brian Lynn, Vice President of Marketing and Communications for Sportsmen's Alliance, Baron Cougars and the Commission. I could substitute commission with oh my. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Baron Cougars, oh my. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we'll continue with Brian clearing up all this uh, this information. The commission's intent and in, at times their agenda, Tommy, as it refers to uh, bears and cougars. We got to get to the bottom of this and try to clear, clear this up of what truly is happening here. Uh, welcoming to the show then later on, uh, second half late. First time of the show, Ty Wyatt. He's the creator of Northwest Steelhead Junkies. He's here to discuss... Oregon, the Rogue, South Coast, and Steelhead Options. And then we're going to kind of finish it out with Ty, continuing with him on the Rogue, South Coast, and retention of wild steelhead. I don't think a lot of people realize retention of wild steelhead still happens. But in that particular mm -hmm. region in Oregon, it is happening. And, yes, um, it is. you know, there's a process and why that's still going on. And, you know, Ty's got his, uh, he's got some great information in regards to that. So I wanted to get him to uh, speak on behalf of that because he can he can basically let everybody know what's happening. So, um, yeah, all is not lost. We got plenty to cover tonight. Lots of content always out there in the wilderness and the outdoors of what it is we try to do. Um, and we've got the guests lined up to bring you the info. So sit back, enjoy. I like these decorations. Dude, I love it. Huh? Oh, yeah. Isn't this great? This is great. That there's my little uh, Bobby Kratzer uh, <laughs> Christmas gnome over there yeah. on, on your right. So, all right, good job out for a quick break. We come back. We're going we're gonna, to uh, dive in here with uh, Big Dave, Big Dave Manners, and we're going to talk some steelhead. Don't go anywhere. Back after this break, right here, Fish on Northwest. Defiance Marine is the one-stop shop for the Pacific Northwest Angler. Defiance Marine guarantees the best price on a new and best service on a repower for your current boat. Defiance Marine is a Honda Premier dealership and one of the largest on the West Coast. Defiance Marine is a boat dealer who proudly sells Defiance, Allied, and Arima boats. All boats are built by West Coast fishermen for West Coast fishermen. Defiance Marine has all your boating needs to help you get out on the water. If you're looking for the best fishing rods in the world, you really do need to take a look at the edge rods. I designed and built new machinery, and I think this new machinery has enabled us to build blanks like no other company can build without this equipment. There is no other rods in the world that are as good as these rods. You owe it to yourself to take a good look at them. All right, welcome back here to the show, Fish on Northwest, winning with Tommy Donlin. And first guest up tonight, Tommy, you're going to enjoy this mm -hmm. guy. He's a character. Big Dave Manners, Big Dave's 
Fishing Adventures, and of course, the Wilson River Lodge. Uh, you can find that on Facebook. Check them out, www.bigdavesfishing.com. How you doing, buddy? It's been a while since we, uh, since we caught up. Yeah, it's been a minute. Doing great. Just uh, got back from a little steelhead trip over east, and um, yeah, getting, getting ready. I think we're going to have a little bit of time before we're going to be fishing here with all this high water and, and flooding we've had but yeah getting ready for the season yeah you got that right exactly why we're having you on tonight because folks are going to be out buying gear getting ready getting spooled up ready to go here as this water drops so we're going to walk through a couple things tonight with you dave and the first night first we're going to start out with uh getting getting uh, anglers geared up and if they're not you know in in thinking about it um these the needs for bank fishing like what are they going to do for bank fishing so, so let's just cut, let's cut straight to the chase. Yep. Okay. So Dave, bank fishing for steelhead. We want to know your top three presentations, but let's do this. Let's start off with number three. Let's work to number one. What Reverse do you got for order. us? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got it. You got it. So I'd say my, my third choice is going to be a plug or potentially a spinner. Um, and I, you know, I, I really like these smaller plugs. You can cover a lot of water with them and they, you know, they're going to make some noise. You're going to have a rattle in there. So especially as we all get started in this season, it looks like we're probably going to have some pretty high and dirty water. Mm-hmm. Um, with these, you know, I'm going to work, I'm going to work the backs of the tail outs. And then I'm also going to look for those seams on the soft water insides. Um, same thing with the spinner. And I'm going to look for brighter, you know, brighter colors in this dirtier water. These are, these are some of my favorites. Um, and that's probably the first, you know, or I'd say, yeah, the third method um, third that I would yep. use. Yep. What's your number two? What are you going to, what's number two? Number two, we're going to go with the bobber and worm or jig. Now, I definitely like these worms uh, more in the, in the dirty water, uh, in the clear water. I'm going to use way more jigs. Sure. Um, and, and in this, you know, and if you're in this dirtier water, I'm probably going to run a little bit shorter leader too here where I'm running about a two foot leader um, up to a three quarter ounce uh, float here. And I'm running this on an egg weight. So I'm going, I'm going barrel swivel, bead, egg weight, bead to my bobber, to my little, to my little indicator, to my bobber bead. Okay. So shorter, a little bit shorter leader. Cause you know, sometimes, when it's real dirty too, you might not be fishing in, you know, the real deep stuff. I might be fishing, you know, in the softer water on the inside. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of these fish that we're going to go after in this early season, I like to call them trail fish because they might be in the trail that usually walk down to the, along the river. That's where they may be right now Mm because the water's going to be, going to be big. So, you know, don't be afraid to fish down into two, three feet of water, the softest stuff you can find. Um, and a lot of times that's where, you know, these fish are going to be hiding in the big, dirty water. Heck yeah. And I would say my, my number one Let's hear is, is going to be the bobber dogger. Um, bobber dogger. Yep. When we, when we all, you know, started, you know, it was a lot of drift fishing and then, you know, we went to the side drifting, which basically we're doing the same thing here. We're getting this down to the bottom and I run a lot of beads in the big, dirty water. Um, this is a big 20 mil right here. And there's multiple ways. Um, you can run these beads. You can run a peg. Now I like to tie this little glass bead in there and that works as my stop. Okay. Uh, and you know, with this same kind of thing, I've probably got about a three foot leader on here. Um, cause I'm thinking when we start, it's going to be dirtier where, 
you know, if it was, if I was doing this in clear water, I may lengthen this leader. Um, and I'm going to a Dave's tangle free, uh, weight right here to a large, large fish field. And I, I tend to like the larger bobber dogger floats than the smaller ones. Um, the, 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 the smaller ones were great too, but, uh, you get a little bit more surface area with this one where you can really get that, get that current against that bobber and allow this to drag down. And one thing, um, you know, I'll say on this too, with your weight, you want to make sure that you have a, a large enough weight on there that you're actually getting down. And I would say that's one of the downfalls um, that I see people do is not have enough lead or not enough weight on their bobber dogger. Um, and as far as beads and colors, um, you know, there's all kinds of beads out there. I like a lot of the soft beads. Um, these are B&Rs. And, I, and, you know, in the in the dirty water, I'm going to run, you know, a lot more of the solid color beads. Mm -hmm. You know, stuff like this, like these guys, sweet pinks, sweet cherries, um, where you're in the in the clear water, then I'm going to go more towards, you know, a translucent bead. Sure. Mm -hmm. Where where you can see through and those those tend to work better in clear water and the and the solid color beads more in the dirty water yeah makes com sense completely makes sense all right tell you what we're going to do great stopping point we're going to jump out for a quick break we come back though we're going to jump to your top three options for when we're on the water floating via drift boat or raft whatever and we'll probably have time to get a few other questions in there to help folks out who are just getting started in this uh this <clears throat> animal we call the steelhead so don't go anywhere we'll jump out for a quick break we'll be back right here with Big Dave Manners, after the break, right here at Fish in Northwest. Sportco, an outdoor emporium, is the largest local outfitter in the Northwest since 1975, providing thousands of people affordable outdoor gear. This summer, make your next outdoor adventure more affordable by shopping at our warehouse-style pricing. We are a local Scotty dealer, offering sales, service, and repair. Located in Fife and Seattle, come visit us today the outdoors awaits you. All right, welcome back here to the show. Uh, guests still hanging on, uh, thankfully. Big Dave Manners, Big Dave's uh, fishing adventure. So Dave, uh, nice job. Great, uh, great quick presentation on three options to give us for that bank fishing. Now we're gonna up the game a little bit here. We'll jump out into a drift boat or a raft or a floating device that you can still fish out of <laughs> down there in Oregon in most locations. So uh, let's uh, let's wrap that up, man. Let's uh, let's dial in for the top three picks uh, that you have if we're going to be fishing or going after them out of a boat. Okay, so uh, right here we're going to run. This is it's going to be a little bit hard to see. Got the wing out here, but here we're going to run a diver. Okay, yeah. So how this diver set up? We we start with the bead. We go to our slider and I've got about a six inch dropper flipped down to my jet diver. Um, and then behind this slider, we're running just a, a, a three bead bead chain to a duo snap. And then this, we got a little bit longer leader here. So now we're running about a five foot leader. Um, and I'm just going to a small little corky. We could be, you know, this could be a spinning glow mm -hmm. and I'm going to run bait on this. I could run a coon shrimp. Um, you know, but but this is this is going to be my bait rod. Um, relatively easy to run. Yeah. Um, you know, you can set them out with a line counter. You can stagger them in your boat. Um, and a lot of times you can do this in, in correlation with and with a plug, which is going to be, I guess, my second my second option. So you know, sometimes I may 
run a diver out the front and then have my left rod and my right rod be plug rods um, and put that bait out in front. Um, another thing you can do also with this diver setup, if you are fishing in uh, some heavier water, which we'll probably see, you can also run your run your plug, run your, your maglep or whatever off of that diver. And right, that will run um, a lot better in that bigger water. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say, you know, my, my, my second option then would be, would be just a straight plug. Um, and you're going to want to find a plug that's really bright. Now, you know, also you can see on this one, I, I blacked out, this is a custom plug, but I, we blacked out the, the bill on it. And black does also show up well in the dirty water. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can run these right out of the package, but you can see on this one, we did a little change up. Um, we've got a, we've got a barrel swivel going to a side wash. And then here we've gone to two split rings and a side wash. And I will say, I think my hookup ratios are going to be better on this method than running two treble hooks on them. Okay? I agree. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And um, so that, you know, and, and from a boat, I mean, these are both great methods. Um, but I will say I'm probably going to go back to my bobber daughter also in the boat. And this is probably still going to be my number one method when we start, um, especially, you know, obviously if you, you know, you have three guys in a boat, um, or two or whatever, but it, I will say it works great when I'm running down the river and I have all three of these going through a hole in the right spot. Um, if there's a fish in there, someone's going to get bit. I agree. Um, yeah, that's great. So, you know, and, and you can just, this setup is so great. You can fish it from the bank. You can fish it from the boat. Mm -hmm. You can start out to where you might, the hole might be six feet deep. And you're able to get down to the bottom of it and then fish it all the way back out to where maybe it's, you know, only two feet deep. Sure. And that, you know, how this thing is designed. And, and I'll reiterate on this, make sure you have enough lead, enough weight on this bobber dogger to get you down. That's what I see most guys having problems with or, or don't have success is they're, 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 they're not heavy enough. You want to be able to get down there. So Dave, you mentioned plug fishing and I think, there's a special place in a lot of people's hearts for plug fishing because you're watching a rod and it's working, that plug's working, you can tell it's working, and then all of a sudden it just gets absolutely annihilated, just gets hammered, right? And you watch that takedown happen right before your eyes. And I wanna know, what are the mistakes that guys make when they're when you're pulling plugs? Like, what what have you seen? And um, tell, tell yeah, people what they should avoid. You bet. Uh, two things. One, which I guess the first one would be, or when that plug when that plug loads up, you definitely want to let that plug plug load up. You want mm -hmm. that fish to grab it and then turn and go away from the boat. And that's when you first see that plug go off, and it's just wham, wham. That's him. He's got it, and he's just kicking his head back and forth. And you're seeing that thing load up. You need that fish to turn around and start heading down river. And that's when you'll see that plug rod will bury over. There's line coming off it. Then we just want to get it out of the rod holder and just stay on your reel. That's really it. And I always try to tell my guys to, you know, go to the opposite side. Um, try to keep an angle on it. Those plugs usually come out whenever the fish is pulling directly out. When that line is coming straight out of their mouth. So you always want to try to keep the angle on them, get to the bank um, or, you know, get to the edge to where you're going to land the fish. Um, you know, always try to keep the angle on them so you're not pulling that line directly out of their mouth. Um, the second thing I would say would be 
Don't be a jerk and jerk. <laughs> when that rod goes up, don't <laughs> grab it as a jerk. Yeah. And Mako shark hooks at them because you'll guarantee you're going to lose them then. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's a good point. Excellent, yeah, uh, excellent advice. You see that quite often. Folks yeah. get a little bit uh, overzealous. Go ahead, real maybe, quick. Well, maybe one other thing I would say um, when you're running the plugs to the back of your hole, run them all the way to the back. Right. Don't sell yourself short and get them almost all the way back there. Yep. And then pull out. Yep. Because I can't tell you how many times a long time ago when I was learning how to do this, where I would, well, reel them in, guys, and then I would float out, and then there they right were. The I would have been right. 10 more feet, I would have been yes. in. Yeah. Yep, pin them in a corner until they got either fight or flight, right? So, yep. uh, fantastic, Dave. Excellent information, as to be expected. And uh, you can anticipate a phone call because you and I, and, the, and, and hopefully Tommy, if we can get it together here on a weekend, we're going to come down, spend yeah, a little time with you. Yeah, you bet. Yep, yep, get you on the show. Show people your operation down there out of Whistling River Lodge and everything you got going on. So, all right, buddy, always a pleasure. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Dave. Have a good evening, guys. Right. You Take too. Care. Bye-bye. Big Dave, Big Dave's Fishing Adventures, www.bigdavesfishing.com. Don't go anywhere, jumping out for a quick break. When we come back, we're going to introduce you to our very next guest, Brian Lynn, after this break, Fish on Northwest. You haven't been here, but you know it. You've heard the sounds, smelt the air, and seen where your heart lands, if not yet. You haven't been here, you long for a destination near or far, where the young and old find rest and excitement not apart. You haven't been here, but you're on your way to a place not far. ExploreTheDowls.com All right, welcome back here to the show. Dwayne England, Tommy Donlin, introducing our next guest. Once again, Tommy, no stranger mm -hmm. to the, these, uh, these studio walls. Uh, Brian Lynn, VP of Marketing and Communications at Sportsmen's Alliance. Welcome back, buddy. Thanks for taking time out of your busy, busy schedule. Thank you. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So, hey, as of late, a number of anti-hunting groups. Uh, let me jump back to this one first. Let's see. Let me jump back to this one first. I got ahead. Let's continue. Uh, let's see. I got my sheet messed up here. Okay, yeah. There's been a number of uh, number of groups coming at the commission once again. Um, these uh, <laughs> these groups and they're they're looking back, uh, you know, clear to 2019, 2020, when the commission, uh, if we can remember, passed a uh, vote that set this train wreck in motion. Here we got, um, you know, they they allowed a second black bear on the east side, which okay, that's great, we're favorable on that, and there was also increased cougar har cougar harvest, but now they're kind of pulling that back. Uh, a bit as of late in some of their recent meetings. Do you think they're starting to second-guess some of their decision-making? I don't think they're starting to second-guess the decision that was made. I think it's part of this group that we've seen come into power, and uh, they're pushing their own agenda. And, uh, you know, to reduce opportunity, take opportunity away, over-regulate, and move the needle for what they want to accomplish. Mm. So, Brian, last August, there was a really good article written by our good buddy Andy Walgamot at uh, Northwest Sports and Magazine. And the title of that article was um, WDFW Commissioners Mole Tweaking Bear and Cougar Hunts, right? And so it sounds like now they have this urgency to want to make change, right? But up to this point, they've always said, oh, well, we can't make a decision. We can't have a spring bear hunt until the science is in. So it seems like now they've flopped. What's what's behind that? <laughs> An agenda. Uh, you know, 
to try to make logical sense out of Washington's Fish and Game Commission is a is a folly. I mean, it's mm-hmm. you're gonna be chasing your tail, and that's literally what we're doing. They have us doing is chasing our tail. They take something away using one premise, want to put it back in using another premise. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's whatever they want, you know. And science be damned if, if it the science supports them, they run with it and make extrapolations. If it doesn't support them then they don't care and they just want to push ahead. Well, I think you're on point there because I'm going to kind of take an excerpt here and some notes I put together. Uh, discussion came up recently, and I reviewed this here several weeks or a month ago during the Wildlife Committee meeting, and they talked about the process for updating the WDFW game management plan. And they're supposed to be working towards developing the three-year you know, hunting package for approval, addressing bear and cougar management. Um, they continue to question the science and the policy framework. And of course, Lorna Smith, um, God forbid, if you mention, uh, you know, bag limits, Bruins, Lions, her and Commissioner Melanie Rowland. Um, Rowland basically said she was unwilling, and this is quoted out of the article, she was unwilling to wait for the results of WDFW deep dives on critter science and wanted to move forward. So as you kind of uh, alluded to, they, they literally have an agenda they seem to be marching towards, and they don't, they, you know, they really could care less about the science or what DFW staff is now bringing them. Yeah, I mean, they don't, you know, it's uh, it's push when they can, and they know they have the backing of the attorney general and the governor, so they're going to push whatever they can. I mean, heck, if they want to do that, go ahead, we'll sue. I mean, it's that simple. That, right. That's a violation of EPA, so that's a point blank case, so go ahead and do that, Melanie. Yeah, for sure. So just just as recent as two months ago, Brian, and you know this, um, there was a petition that was presented uh, to the Fish and Wildlife Commission, and um, it was basically asking them, hey, uh, would you consider reversing those barren hunting rules that were made in 2019 and 2020? And I just, I want to read this list um, of entities that put this petition forward, and it's Washington Wildlife First, Center for Biological Diversity, the Humane Society of the United States, Mountain Lion Foundation, Wild Futures, Predator Defense, Coexisting with Cougars in Klickitat County, and Kettle Range Conservation Group. And I just wanted to, to read those because those are our anti-hunting groups trying to take away our opportunity. So when you look at this pe- petition and you look at those rules that were set forth in 2019 and 2020, why would all of these anti-hunting groups present that request? Uh, well, that is their agenda, and those—that's the who, who, who's who of animal rights uh, activists, right there. Mm-hmm. They are the ones pushing this agenda in Washington, in Colorado, Arizona, in every state in this country. They're the ones behind it, with lobbying, with lawsuits, with ballot initiatives. Washington Wildlife First, the gal who ran that, she's now down in Colorado running the ballot initiative in mm. Cougar and Bobcat hunting. Uh, this, is, this is a nationwide, if not global, agenda that's being taken place here. Right. I know that sounds annoying. It is not. It's, what's, it's what they're doing. You know, the question becomes, did they just happen to do this? Or are they doing this in collusion with some of the commissioners to bring up this topic yeah. and be able to 
load on it. That's right. your point. Yep. Yep. All right, let's uh, take a pause right there, Brian. We got a few more things to get through as we try to understand exactly what's going on there behind closed doors or open public meetings like this morning. We'll get to that in a little bit here. So we'll jump out for a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back here in studio with Brian Lynn right after this break. Right here, Fish on Northwest. Hey guys, I'm Big Mike. Come on down to the Edge Pro Shop and see me. We've got all the best brands under one roof. We've got Hawken, Procure, Short Bus, Pro Troll, Yakima Bait, Get em Dry Jigs, Northwest Bait Scent, Daiwa Reels, North Fork Lures, North Wild, Brad's, Superfly, Rocky Mountain Tackle, and of course, the greatest rods ever built, Edge Rods. All right, welcome back here to the show, Brian Lynn. Uh, waiting patiently for us to get back with him. So, uh, Brian, let's continue down this path here. The problem, uh, as a lot of us are, you know, observing month after month, mm. year after year here, is none of this is science-based. This is all emotional uh, cries and just, you know, it's being clouded by their emotions and feelings and their constituents, i.e. all these groups that Tommy just named prior to the break, uh, you know, just, just hammering on them to get something done, get something done. And so... Um, you really think they're going to continue to be able to go down this road of pushing through, uh, trying to create policy based on emotions and feelings? I mean, where's this going to land? Uh, it's an interesting question because, you, you know, they have a lot of power and very few checks and balances in True. place. Mm-hmm. And so they can do whatever they really want to as long as they follow the process. Now, there's some possibilities that they've already violated the APA uh, standards by making policies within, you know, commission meetings when they're just supposed to be having discussions. Right. We huge FOIA request in that should be coming in here in about four or five days. Uh, so we'll get to see some of the backside talking. But, uh, you know, the, they do run with emotions most of the time and sprinkle in the science or want to change the variables all the time with that science when they want to shoot it down. You know, it sounds like they're they're afraid of what they're going to hear, right? They do not like hearing the the current science that is on the table that promotes lucrative hunting seasons um, and bag limits, and they know that that's not going to support their emotion based agenda. Agenda. So, I'm just curious. You know, the accountability piece. How do we hold them accountable if we if you know WDFW staff presents the data and it says, "Hey, have a spring bear hunt, have a fall hunt." have two bear in the fall, you know, and increase the number of tags for the spring bear hunt. When they get that message, what are they going to do? How can you not listen to your WDFW staff? Well, they didn't listen to them a couple of years ago when they said the bear population was robust enough to handle a spring bear hunt. So I don't expect them to listen to them no matter what, mm-hmm. which is why I'm pushing through. You know, I think Anise uh, alluded to it today that both mountain lions and bears are stable on a statewide population within a couple of units that are up or down or whatever, but pretty much stable. They don't want to hear that. So they're trying to push through with it. You know, as far as accountability, you know, uh, keep showing up in meetings, holding them accountable, pointing out the uh, double standards that they're putting in place. And then, you know, moreover, what we're doing a Sportsman's Alliance and uh, taking legal action, that's going to be the only thing to slow these guys down and, uh, hold them accountable is that third branch of government, the mm-hmm. courts. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's where this is going to land. I mean, they've become very efficient at understanding the game. And what I mean by that is anything that they can break down and dissect and then simply put on the shelf mm -hmm. and tie up into policy or, you know, rewriting policy so it just sits there for a while until somebody's willing to take it up and, and work on it. That's kind of what they're doing with all these elements here. Now, they're on a time crunch to get this game management plan and, uh, and predator plan and all everything mm -hmm. packaged up and ready to go by April so that they can have it in place to begin the process of setting season. So when we roll into next fall hunting season, we have the seasons, you know, stamped out, regulations, rules, two bear limit east side, mm -hmm. whatever it is, right? And they're just finding ways to, to tear this apart. I could not believe what I was hearing today from the majority of them sitting in that room. Staff did an amazing job in both presentation, as you probably saw, Brian, in reference to bear and cougar. The, the science was sound, the information was solid, and yet they tried to spin it and wordsmith it to admit, put it in the form of a question and try to get staff to, to respond to their emotional plea of, well, certainly there can't be enough of them, you know, to harvest. I mean, you got to, can't you tell me something else? I mean, it was absolutely pathetic. It, it, you're right on. I mean, watching the mental gymnastics take place. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Validate something or make their point you know, seem logical in the face of science. The biologist has been studying this and crunching the numbers and right. putting it together. You know, it, it's just astounding, you know, but that's where we're at. That's where we live in in Washington State right now. Yeah, it's yeah. a complete uh, lack of respect. Mm -hmm. It's a complete uh, slap in the face to the biologists and the field bios and staff that are working so hard to compile this information. To think at the end of the day, when they put on these presentations and are trying to steer this down the right path, you have a bunch of nobody sitting there uh, listening to the fodder from their, their support groups in and out of state is going to be the road or path they choose to make decisions on how we manage game and manage or lack thereof of predators in the state of Washington. It's really getting, uh, it's getting hard to watch. So it is. Appreciate what you and the folks at Sportsman's Alliance continue to do, and I'm glad we've been friends a long time. I'm glad that we can work on this together, keep in touch, and keep the communication path open so that we can bring this to the people so everybody's truly aware of what's happening behind mm -hmm. behind the scenes. You betcha. Thank you, guys. All right, Brian. Yeah, thanks, Have a good Brian. night. Brian Lynn, VP of Marketing and Communication Sportsman's Alliance. If you're not a member of Sportsman's Alliance, please look them up Facebook or their, or their webpage. Become a member and support their cause. Jumping out for a quick break. We come back. Topic number three on the table tonight, Tommy. We're going to talk with Ty mm -hmm. Wyatt out of Oregon and some things going on down there. Rogue and South Coast and Wild Steelhead. Don't go anywhere. That's coming up right after the break. Right here, Fish on Northwest. New days. New beginnings. New friends. New loves. New dreams. New goals. New scenery. New job. No matter what the next chapter holds, Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate will be there to help you find the new that's right for your lifestyle at any stage of your life. Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate. Expect better. All right, welcome back here to the show. Moving along steadily, Tommy. We just got way too much info to get through. Oh, no, we do. Never we enough do. time, buddy, go. huh? Okay. Want to bring you in on uh, this one here. Ty Wyatt, uh, he's a saltwater captain, freshwater guy at Glacier Bear Lodge, director of the LC Sportsmen's Association, and, of course, creator of Northwest Steelhead Junkies. How you doing, Ty? Good. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm good. Looks like we got you in a small box for some reason, but maybe we'll get that figured out. <laughs> that's so, right. Yeah, that's all right. Anyway, hey, um, you know, we have not been able to keep any wild steelhead here in Washington State going on. I'm 
thinking back about 15 years or so, uh, do you think this serves us well when they initiated that here in Washington, or do you think it's more of a problematic issue that DFW has created for themselves? So in 2021, when uh, Oregon revisited what was already open to keep wild steelhead, they created a stakeholder group just to evaluate that, that cause, right? Should we mm -hmm. keep wild steelhead retention open or not? And I, honestly, I think they made the right choice, mm. right? If, if I look at Washington coastal fisheries now, we, that would have been a step-down measure had we retained the right to keep those wild fish right not advocating for keeping wild fish but it's a step down measure okay it's one more measure before you have closed fisheries you, you know it, it is peculiar um to compare you know that the washington fishery and the oregon fishery for steelhead for and sure. then and how the two states management manage it and and the interesting thing is you know washington state has three times the population that oregon does um, but Oregon also doesn't have the co-managers as part of that integrated plan. And so how would you compare the two steelhead fisheries between the two states? I, th I think they're similar except in duration. Like I think you're dealing with the southern Oregon coast. It's really rugged. It's remote, but it doesn't have the Olympics. And so you have a much longer steelhead fishery on the OP than you do on the Southern Oregon coast. Sure. So the opportunity to catch fish in the South coast is a lot shorter window, mm. right? It's probably a third of the time mm. just because it's that much warmer. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's valid. So we're going to delve into this rogue uh, South component. The reason I picked up the phone the other day for you and I to catch up and I wanted to kind of, you know, dig into that a little bit, but just for those that are not aware, I mean, the majority of Oregon is closed to wild retention. Um, on wild steelhead and you know is that the right move is that benefit is that benefiting the fisheries there in those that majority of the region that is close to wild retention yeah that that's a good question you know those of us that care about wild steelhead we, we don't normally care about harvesting even for me i don't care if right. i kill a hatchery fish right but you know being a washington resident now and i fish the washington coast too yeah you know what i don't like not being able to fish for them yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> at the end of the True day story. You, know, mm -hmm. you know so i think a lot of people looked at what was going on in washington they said hey let's not go down this road because we've had all the same voices except for in this case we had an agency oregon was all for keeping it open for wild harvest mm -hmm. because they didn't feel it was a conservation cause right sure um and, and i think we have two different agencies that have the same number of fish managing steelhead completely differently and yet you know you can leave the commanders out of it because if you look at what just happened on the willapaw right it was open for commercial fishing through november 27th mm -hmm. and it's closed to the harvest of wild coho now all of a sudden all of a sudden there's a conservation concern so you can't tell me that these agencies are looking at things the same way something you know, we're all dealing with the same impacts of low abundance of steelhead. Sure. No, that's a good point. So, you know, Oregon seems to have a really good hatchery program. They have a really good broodstock program, really low mortality rate with that program at 2%. Um, when, you, when you look at those programs and then you kind of look at that wild steelhead component, are is Oregon seeing the pressure from those wild steelhead conservation or preservation groups 
that pressure that we see here in Washington going after our hatcheries, trying to shut down our hatcheries, interfere with operations. Is that happening in Oregon? Oh, absolutely. 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 But what we have is an agency that adopted the wild broodstock program and they're, they're behind it, right? You have Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife who doesn't even exalt, acknowledge a wild broodstock program, oh. mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They, they don't even, you know, I've talked to several biologists. They don't even identify that, right? They're like, mm. well, we have wild broodstock programs. They're integrated. I'm like, no, those are two different things. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. We're going to uh, we're going to really jump into this rogue component South Coast uh, in the very next segment. So stick around and go anywhere. Jump out for a quick break. More with Ty Wyatt in understanding the retention of wild steelhead on the south coast of Oregon. After this break right here at Fishing Northwest. Support from Northwest Sportsmen make federal ammunition the world's leading ammunition manufacturer. Federal uses the industry's finest materials, giving you reliable ammunition that delivers superb accuracy and optimum performance. Northwest hunters rely on Sportco to provide the best selection and prices in the Northwest since 1985. Sportco and Outdoor Emporium in Fife and Seattle. Your journey begins here. All right, welcome back here, Fish on Northwest. on the show with us, Ty Wyatt, creator of Northwest Steelhead Junkies, and a whole lot more. Uh, hey, Ty, let's, done, let's jump right into this rogue South Coast steelhead validation. So now we have a steelhead validation is required for all winter steelhead anglers in the rogue basin or on the South Coast from December 1st to April 30th. In addition, a harvest tag is required to keep wild winter steelhead in the area. Uh, is there still a lot of support to retain wild steelhead in that particular region or that area of Oregon? Um, that is debatable. I, I think so. I, I think there are people that want to harvest winter steelhead. I don't know how much those people fish. Sure. I think you'll find most people that fish a lot and most guides are going to release fish. And then you got to remember, it's it's not all the rivers. There's only select rivers where they allow the harvest. Within that region, sure. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 So you got so, this new, this new yeah, validation, look, this new rule establishes this winter steelhead season, um, as Dwayne said, from December 1st to April 30th. Was there not an established season in these South Coast rivers in the Rogue Basin before? No, there was. So basically, they they went through a whole new management plan, just like they had done on the middle and Oregon coast 12, 14 years ago. And they went through the stakeholder process and made it official. And then... um, you know, everybody got a voice in this one. There was a stakeholder process. Mm. And the bottom line is the department said there's not a conservation cause for closing wild harvest on these fish. And I guess at the end of the day, if there's not a conservation concern and, you know, the majority in rule says, hey, can we do this? And, you know, at least they're listening to they're listening to the anglers and the guys or whoever, you know, is in that region supporting it. So. As I kind of had mentioned, you got to have uh, you got to have your your required um, catch card. You got to have your annual fishing license. You got to have your co- rogue South Coast steelhead validation. And then you have to buy your your uh, uh, retention card. And it looks like bag limit is one wild steelhead per day or three per season. Prices vary depending if you're in state, resident, or out of state. And you're generating you know two bucks or four dollars for the validation depending if you're in or out of state. And Harvest tags are $10 for resident. If I choose to go down there and partake in this opportunity and 
catch and retain a wild steelhead. I got to pay twenty dollars for the non-resident wild steelhead tag plus the plus the other fees and stuff. Is this is all this money going back into the process of you know generating funds to monitor this entire program in that region? Is that what this is all about? I, I think it is. I don't think that that's not how it came to be. Okay. And you know, I, I'd read the key outcomes from the, the RSP, and and it said I'll read two key components and let let you think about this but it's to maintain and enhance fishing opportunities while main minimizing the risk for harvest and hatchery programs and climate change and then the second bullet point that i would emphasize would be strengthen public outreach and engagement in native fish conservation so what i take out of that is you're creating ownership in a fishery because people can participate in it Right. In Washington right now, we're losing ownership in all these fisheries because we can't fish. Right. right? Mm -hmm. People are up. So those two key points are looking at it from a totally different perspective, not just this is an agency going, you know what, there's conservation by having the public involved. Yeah, no, and that's, so a, we're, that's a good In my opinion. Time. That's a key point, right? Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. and, and so along those lines, because this is kind of an interesting point. So, you know, also from the ODF&W um, webpage, they say, you know, these new requirements are meant to maintain this unique limited opportunity to harvest a wild winter steelhead. And, and as such, it helps fund the wild steelhead monitoring in this area. Right. That's an interesting point to me because the, the question in my mind is, Knowing that, are they saying like, hey, we don't have the funds to really manage the wild steelhead or manage this fishery unless we allow the take of a wild steelhead? Are they saying they couldn't generate the funds if it was only catch and release? What's what's your take on that? Uh, my take isn't as much about the money as you just can't count the fish, right? The conditions are just as extreme you have on the OP or more. You go from blown out conditions like we have right now to too low and the fish are spooky, mm -hmm. right? So creel by having anglers fish for the fish is a data point that you wouldn't have otherwise when you don't fish. Maybe the best data point they have, they're basically relying on snorkel surveys mm -hmm. is their best data point for all these populations. Mm-hmm not live red count you know live fish counts and red counts like we are in washington i, I think i think they're on to something mm -hmm. yeah that's a uh that's a very good point i mean so far it seems to be working as you had stated it's not a conservation issue there's a lot of folks on board with this it's generating funds to continue the program and monitoring and i guess the future will tell right i mean if they're going down the right path the future will tell if we're managing that particular part of Oregon, that region of Oregon uh, properly. So uh, a pleasure, my friend, to finally get you on the show and, and break this down. Uh, don't be a stranger. We have a lot more to talk about with your fisheries background and things that we can get into. So appreciate you taking time tonight, buddy. For sure, guys. Thanks for having me. All you right, guys have right. a great have evening. A good night. There you go. Ty White, you can look him up on Facebook, creator of Northwest Steelhead Junkies, and he's got a whole lot more going on than that. All right, mm -hmm. jump out for a quick break. We come back. Tommy, we're going to shut this thing down. Let's do it. Do it after this break right here at Fish on Northwest. Defiance Marine is the one-stop shop for the Pacific Northwest Angler. Defiance Marine guarantees the best price on a new and best service on a repower for your current boat. Defiance Marine is a Honda premier dealership and one of the largest on the West Coast. 
Defiance Marine is a boat dealer who proudly sells Defiance, Allied, and Arima boats. All boats are built by West Coast fishermen for West Coast fishermen. Defiance Marine has all your boating needs to help you get out on the water. All right, welcome back to the show here at Winning with Tommy Dolan. Man, we got to thank all our guests. Yeah, that was uh, phenomenal. That was a great night there yep. of getting through the uh, getting through the info, getting through the content. Big Dave Manners and uh, yeah. Brian Lynn, of course, finished up there with Ty. A lot of knowledge there. A lot of knowledge there. A lot yeah. of solid individuals, you know, immersed into their passion, and they mm -hmm. really just uh, they bring that out in conversation, and you can just tell yeah. they're keeping tabs on this stuff too, as we mm -hmm. do, to help you guys truly understand what's going on. Some out in front of us, some of it behind the scenes. So. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, Ty had mentioned it, Willapaw River and the cell, nacelle down there, they've closed all that off now to mm -hmm. wild retention. We had a robust preseason forecast coming in, Tommy, where we should be meeting escapement on our wild fish down there. No problem. But even Ty mentioned commercial harvest was going on out there in Willapaw uh, Bay and whatnot well into late November. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they slam the door shut and say, hey, we got a conservation concern. Yeah, right. We don't have a conservation concern if we are in a position where we choose to fish it under escapement. Mm -hmm. Like, we could shut that faucet off a long time ago. Yeah, exactly. So I would ask that we uh, get a little bit uh, better at monitoring that situation and make sure we're paying attention so we don't have a conservation uh, concern. And also, DFW, get your clamp gun, buddy. Yeah, it's go time. We They're got some winter clam digs. digs coming out next week, right. the 13th for day one. We got five days. Now, look, it's Long Beach, Twin Harbors, Copelas. You got to pay attention to your regulations because not all three of those beaches are open all five days. It bounces yeah. back and forth. So you got to look. If you show up and there's only one person on the beach, then it's mm. probably not open. Yeah. yeah. If he's wearing a badge, you yep. probably want to just <laughs> turn around and go to a different <laughs> one. Ask him or her what's going on. And uh, what's your clam limit? Yeah, I I've never been. I don't know. What is it? Is what it 12? Is it? Yes. is it 12? 15. 15, I don't know. Per digger. And each digger has to keep their own limit in their in their own bag, in their possession. Yep. You can't, like if we take Harper out there, little Harper Lynn, we cannot. You can't uh, dig her limit. I can't dig her limit. I can't yep. hold or retain her limit as well. That's so, correct. All right, that is going to do it for us this week. So great to have the band back together. We had a fabulous time. So good to see so many of you on here uh, stay engaged with us throughout the week, and we will uh, do what we can to keep you informed. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us here. Until next week, from here, Fish on Northwest. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Fish on Northwest weekly podcast. I want to remind everyone that you can catch our weekly live stream show on our Facebook page and, of course, our YouTube channel every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. West Coast time. You'll get our insightful in-studio interviews, our extremely detailed how-to segments in the bait lab, the infield segments we bring to you when we're on the water or in the woods, and of course, our amazing cooking recipes in the kitchen with co-host Sherry England and chef Jeff Maxfield. Give us a follow on our Facebook page at Fish Hunt Northwest. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fish Hunt NW. Find us on Twitter and Instagram, and finally, Go to our webpage at www.fishhuntnw.com for all the latest and greatest info. Join us each week here on our podcast. Join us each week at our live production. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.